Welcome to episode 33 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men the Animated Series weekly recap podcast. I'm Rod, and for the first time in several weeks, we have a backup, including the other two episodes we recorded that I forgot to turn this on. I'm JC, and I am incredibly confident. Cyclops is Waiting for Me is our weekly podcast series. We're going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men, the animated series, and their original intended script order, building up to the release of X-Men 97, coming to Disney Plus in fall of 2023. And for those of you who are wondering how we determine the order of these episodes, we utilize an order that is listed in previously on X-Men, the making of an animated series by the lead showrunner Eric Leewald, which is also available for reference on Wikipedia. Some quick reminders, we're a recap show about a series that came out 28 years ago. There will be spoilers. If you don't want spoiled for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode, and come back. We'll do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes we haven't covered yet. Although, considering you're halfway through a four-part series, hopefully you've just watched the four parts. <laughs> It'd be really, really weird if somebody, like, watched a part and then came back. I mean, yeah. unless unless somebody like our friend Joe Russo is watching one episode per week to just stay in in line with our show. Yeah. Hi, Joe. Hey, Joe. What's up? We're currently not sponsored or affiliated with Disney or Disney Plus in any way. I don't know. what What's the conglomerate these days? Like Vought Plus streaming or something? Oh, we could get <laughs> sponsored by Vought Plus. There you go. Did you see Vought Plus's Twitter account took a stab at WB? No, but now I'm going to. Post it. I'm going to just look it up. I, actually, I also retweeted it. but And also, by the time you hear this, this will be like several weeks behind. But they posted like Vought Plus, Vought Plus Christian, blah, or whatever. It's conglomerate into one thing. Or they basically took the WB announcement and then like made fun of it with all the VOT streaming services. <laughs> Very nice. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM pod on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. And while you're on those favorite podcast services, make sure to give us a rating, preferably a good one. Yeah, I was going to say, it's preferably one that all of us. <laughs> and finally, if you can't tell by Rod's reference to VOT Plus and how long ago that Twitter post must have gone live, we record these episodes in batches. We're going to have to figure out some system for when the actual show goes live. And we have a full year before we have to worry about that. Yeah. So. That might that maybe end up being a remote thing. We'll we out by yeah, that. Rod is not going to drive to my house every week. <laughs> so if we're reacting to news or Twitter jokes, we might be a few weeks behind. We will be. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey, how is She Hulk? By the way, <laughs> I'm trying to that make- will absolutely yeah. like there. <laughs> yes, we will be four episodes deep by this point. Something, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, it's going well, future listeners and Rod and John. Anyway, now onto the show. We're never viewing She-Hulk, Rod. We don't we don't need to worry if yeah. it's going well. As fans, we hope it's going yes. well, but we don't have to worry about it. Now onto the show. Today we're going to be talking about season three, episode sixteen, titled "The Dark Phoenix," part three, "The Dark Phoenix." I read I copy that in my head. And, I copy yes. and pasted it. It's yeah. accurate. It's funny because I remember seeing that on the screen too, and I was like, "Oh, so now we're finally at the Dark Phoenix." Um, anyway, she only said it at the tail end of the last yeah. episode. It aired November nineteenth, nineteen ninety four, and currently sits at an eight point two star rating on IMDb. I like how they're getting higher, like the ratings. As well, the, I hate to disappoint you. Oh. Spoilers for next episode. I mean, it's also an 8.2. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it's a plateau. It's not a dip. Oh, nice. Okay. No. That makes sense, though. It's not a mojo. <laughs> anyway, so the recap for this episode, I just thought the only thing that was kind of funny was there was this scene that they recapped from the last episode, but in the in this version of it, they did like a real fire overlay on Jean's face, but it's like not overlay, actually. It was like underlay. Like It was like her skin was replaced by real fire. It was weird. So what you're going to tell me <laughs> is when we're binging these shows and, and readying for this, I need to actually start paying attention to the recaps? I don't know necessarily. I, think it was, I just noticed it because I, I have paid attention to them too at the, the beginning. I mean, I literally skip to yeah. the end of the intro song at this point. So, <laughs> But I just I just saw in the corner of my eye, I was like, 
Is that is that fire under her face? Okay, sure. Anyway. Or is it over her face? Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how animation works. <laughs> Maybe it's Maybelline. Anyway, this episode picks up right where it left off from the last episode. Phoenix is on the roof, freaking out. The appropriate phrase is losing its shit. Yeah. <laughs> And the X-Men do make their way up to the roof to catch up with Scott. Questionable why, because he's been kind of a douchebag up to this point. But <laughs> Okay. I know it's a very, very, very easy joke for us to bash on Scott. He hasn't actually been a douchebag during this last six hours of his real time. I, I, I could see that, yeah. Maybe the stuff with the Dazzler he could have handled better, but he wasn't actively trying to be He didn't. Awful. He didn't kiss her. He did fuck up by not pushing her back. Exactly. <laughs> Anyway, Phoenix is upset with the X-Men because they, quote, in her words, want her to return to the cold nothingness of space, which is, you know, fair. It's kind of like in Aladdin like with the genies. Like, you want me to go back into this lamp? Counterpoint. She's literally made of fire. So how does she know how cold it is? <laughs> right. Or is it figurative? It's just like the fire of love. I mean, she could just she could have been like, it's boring there. I would accept that. Yes. But now that she's experienced human emotions like love or better for her hate. <laughs> she definitely gets a fucking violence boner no doubt <laughs> violence boner that's a metal band name i'm not gonna google that <laughs> nor should you yeah she says that there is a power greater than good or evil and that's in creation destruction a little side note you notice something different about beast in this shot yeah so you know they're they're trying to address gene and the phoenix is like pushing back like no you only get to talk to phoenix like there's no gene anymore there's only zool but you see the team and beast actually has the shiar backpack on again like yeah. the one that he was wearing on the apocalypse shit so i guess he ran out the front door got got it from the bushes and then went up to the the roof sure yeah yeah i i noticed too the animation of him was like a lot more like slender and upright and stuff, so I don't know if it was like, maybe it's a recycling thing from other anime. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he's more slender when he wears the backpack. There you go. <laughs> Shear tech. It's amazing. Now when I go to, <laughs> damn it, Rod, now the next comic book show I go to, I'm just going to go searching through the booth that has animation cells, and I'm just going to be searching for beast wearing backpack cells. <laughs> To see if they just like recycle their yeah, like is episode. he like is he factually skinnier when wearing it? And I'll like be comparing cells, and the guy's gonna be like, be "I could do both of those for eighty five bucks." And I'm like, "I don't want either of these, sir." I'm comparing notes. Notes, yeah. And I just take a picture with my phone and run off. Anyway, so Scott's calling for Jean. Jean breaks through for just a second. She begs Scott for help and not to to leave her. And then the Phoenix takes over and throws them all off the roof. People kind of got like yeeted in groups it was good because rogue ends up catching gambit and then wolverine just continues to fly past into into the lake like, and he just says ducks out of nowhere we're in my head cannon i would like to think it's because he actually said fuck because as a kid show and he said towards the lake he just says ducks and then he says he hates ducks yeah <laughs> which i i don't recall that being an aspect of wolverine's character but i think we accept it i think it's another moment where like wolverine's giving a lot of jc energy because i can just imagine you get thrown to a lake and you're like I hate ducks. I hate ducks. I hate fish. I hate yeah. water. I hate lakes. Yeah, I can go on. Yeah. I There's definitely some JC energy in Wolverine. And we also see Gambit is kind of like, hey, I noticed how you caught me and not Wolverine. And then she just drops him into the lake. Yeah, he can't stop flirting, even in imminent danger. But he can't go to that nightclub anymore, Dazzler, because remember, we, we decided that he got kicked out for some reason. In our personal canon, he has been banned from that club. Yeah. So after they kind of regroup, 
after getting eaten in all directions. The storm catches Beast, and then Beast like catches Cyclops by the ankle or something yeah, like that. Yeah, teamwork. Yeah, they're actually doing pretty good against a cosmic entity right yeah, now. Right, that the, is. I'm going to guess it's not programmed into the Danger Room's database. So they're just winging it. They didn't have time to do a software update between yeah. the Phoenix introduction to the Dark <laughs> Phoenix saga. There was, only, there was only five stories in between. So. Yeah. And they kind of regroup and talk about it. And they figure out that the reason the Phoenix has gone and gone haywire is because she's experienced or it has experienced new emotions through Jean's physical manifestation and stuff. And Phoenix returns and, and tries just, to finish them off. Yeah, tries to destroy everything. And then we get an awesome transition effect. I'd imagine this was like one of the coming back from commercial moments yeah. where it's kind of a reverse fire where it starts out like the it's blackness and then the fire brings everything like back into focus. It'd be, it wouldn't be hilarious for the animators, but it'd be hilarious story-wise if we find out like the actual cells just like burnt and they just kept it. You know, Rod, I don't think that's how animation works, sir. Well, no, I mean, like, you know how you take photos of each cell and stuff? It'd be funny if, like, they were, like, I guess it wouldn't be videographing, it'd be photographing, but if they, like, it got so hot, it burned. I don't know. I, I'm making up a bunch of stuff in my head that didn't happen. That's not how animation works, <laughs> yep. Rod. Is why I'm not an animator. But essentially, oh. they're all defending themselves. So we see a few failed attempts from the team. Storm tries to use hurricane powers against her. Fails. Scott tries to hedging with an optic blast. That fails. And again, it's just so dismissive because this is now like Phoenix Unleashed kind of scenario mm -hmm. from the Dark Phoenix. And it's like, you are just really a source of annoyance and frustration. <laughs> and I mean... I get it that it's this all-powerful being. That's got to sting, man. Like being like, you're literally not, you're not denting me. You're just bothering me. Yeah. And of course, the natural solution would be rogues like tree will work. So she tries to swing a tree at the Phoenix. And Phoenix, I don't think I knew this was one of her powers. It's kind of like Cersei in Eternals. She's able to like turn the material into something else. Yeah, it was like a... a Transmogrification? Sure, one of those words. I think transmogrification is the right word. She uses alchemy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, alchemy without actual alchemy, but it essentially turns it into this giant tree, which my like millennial ass is like, I wonder how much that tree is worth now. Yeah. Because she turns it into gold. It yeah. is absolutely meant to be drawn as gold. Yeah, because it even sparkles a little bit yeah. later. But apparently tree that is the density of a tree and then turns into gold gets way heavier as gold. Right. <laughs> the rogue crashes into the ground with it. And Phoenix in this whole battle has said a couple times different, like both ends of the spectrum. She's like, why do I enjoy so much? Like when they fight back so hard and then counter to that later, she's like, why does my pleasure decrease when they get weaker? You know? So she's like really liking the challenge. Right. And I mean, it, I don't know if necessarily you could consider it a trope, but like I was reading a recent Power Rangers comic where the villain is is essentially like, oh, it's not good if we just take them out without a hunt. Like we have to find them. We don't want them to just surrender and accept death. I want to yeah. hunt them down and kill them. <laughs> Very Craven the Hunter style. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a sport. Exactly. Kind of thing. And also, this is probably one of the first times the Phoenix Force has had like a little bit of a challenge, I would presume. I would say at the start of the fight, yeah. But yeah. now I think as the Phoenix has completely, you know, 95% taken over for, for Jean, it's like mm -hmm. it's almost becoming stronger because it's taking less and less effort to stop people. Yeah. The fighting continues. Rogue attempts to fly up and drain the Phoenix and just gets flicked off. Like it's you, you didn't even have a shot. 
which when she initially tried to go for it, I was like, that's a terrifying prospect. Because the same thing about when she tried to absorb Storm's powers and stuff. So if Jean can't control it, what what do, what do you think you're going to do with this? Yeah, this, <laughs> this is going to end very, very badly for you. So Phoenix asked Scott, like, why he cares so much about this body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, specifically this body. And I, and obviously that is not meant to be like in a sexual way or anything like that. But it was like the Phoenix doesn't understand humanity still. So it's like, what is it about this bag of flesh that you care about? Mm-hmm. It's kind of I, I meant to say this before, too, but Phoenix kind of has this Dr. Manhattan sensibility where it's like, oh, none of this matters. Why do you guys care so much? You know? Right. And, and that's kind <laughs> of like one of the larger things with the cosmic entities, you know, multiversal beings where it's like, none of this matters on a cosmic scale. So why do you give a shit? (laughs) And Scott gives the answer that is the most obvious, which is I love her. And then the Phoenix gives the best response possible. Yeah, I don't understand what that means. That's an unacceptable answer. (laughs) So Jean does come through a little bit, probably because she heard you know, that Scott loves her. Well, considering the response was not I know and it was I will always love you back, yeah. then yeah, I would say that that she heard yeah. it. And in this little kerfuffle, or because it's more than a kerfuffle, mega kerfuffle, Scott's visor gets knocked off. And so when Jean does come through, she puts the visor back on him and kisses him. And then she says she'll always love him too. Just in time for Phoenix to come back. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like body swap horror going on with this one. And the Phoenix just like becomes a massive blast in the middle of, of mm-hmm. Central Park. And then we get cameos. I actually knew all these this time, but these are pretty easy. If we had recorded this three months ago, I don't know if you would have gotten the last one. <laughs> I, You know, I I did know okay. him. Well, so, so the, I, I wouldn't have known his name. Okay, so the cameos we got is Doctor Strange, but did you notice the Easter egg in the shot? No. So in the shot, if you actually look at and pause it and look at the books, you had Brenner and Ditko. Okay. So Ditko, obviously, I know. Steve Ditko, one of the creators of Spider-Man. Brenner had been a member of the Marvel staff for years and actually was head of character design on this show. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's like the Book of Ishanti and Darkhold. I'm not going to unpack <laughs> yeah. that. I am I am good on that one. I don't we haven't seen Thor in the show yet, right? No, we I did think not. This is the first we time. did not see Thor. He was not in that group that was like saving the world when everything was blowing up in in space yeah. and on the sun. That was really cool to see even it, for a little second. It also lit up Mjolnir too. Oh, I didn't notice that little yep. thing. And then in the space Watcher. What is the Watcher's name? So I know now is Uatu. Right. But, you know, so is it always Uatu if it comes to Earth, I guess? Is that So here's the concession. There is an Uatu in each of the dimensions of the multiverse. Oh. But I think we we make the assumption that this at the time is being treated same as 616 comic book continuity. So he's probably another Uatu. Okay. Gotcha. Well, because I know, like... So I didn't know Watu's name, I don't think, until the What If series. But I did know about the Watcher before, especially because the Watchers appeared in the, the other MCU movies and stuff. Yeah, then we got the confirmation that Stan was a Watcher. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know, since there's other Watchers, if this was narrowly, necessarily a specific Uatu one. But I guess it makes sense because it has to do with Earth. Yeah, and then the Phoenix shoots into space, and then we get... The fourth cameo. And I only knew this because of a movie that came out a month ago. <laughs> Which is exactly what I mean of like, I think you would have gotten Watcher. Oh. But I'm saying, I don't think you would have known Eternity. I thought you meant Watcher. Okay. No, no gotcha. I, I I knew you knew enough that you would have known Watcher. Okay. I don't think until Love and Thunder came out, I don't think most general fans knew who Eternity was. Yeah, no, I didn't know who Eternity was. I think I'd seen the reference like in writing before, but I thought I, I didn't. 
you thought it was the concept of eternity, not an actual being. I think in general in Marvel, I assume when they say stuff like that, it's going to be some sort of like being thing. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I had associated the 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 depiction like Like when Deadpool wants to have sex with death. It is a woman version of death, not just bang dead things. Yes. So I didn't know what eternity looked like until Love and Thunder. And then I learned after Love and Thunder that that was a really accurate comic, accurate. Very. It was very Kirby ass. Yeah. Even though the depiction is like a little bit different than like Love and Thunder and the other comic things. It's like there's like the design with like the half face and the galaxy thing stuff. It was the little hallmarks were there. So you just it had just appeared for literally half a second Mm -hmm. in that frame. But it was still like recognizable. It was either just an Easter egg to throw in for fun or maybe like we'll play in later or was planned on being played in later that eternity had seen this happen i interpreted it as this is something of epic proportion so you have the sorcerer supreme mm-hmm. you have the child of a i mean you have a literal god mm-hmm. and then you have the watcher who is all powerful but can't do anything and then you have the concept of eternity which eternity being involved just raises it from a cosmic stakes perspective i didn't even think about that that makes sense like every cameo escalated yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, you you have human with power, baby god, cosmic <laughs> entity, possibly strongest cosmic entity. Yeah, and they're all seeing the thing that could destroy everything. That makes sense. Now. Yeah. Okay, and then pops into a little wormhole, and I the only thing that was a little confusing from an animation perspective is the planets seemed very close together. So it was like, oh, are we past Saturn or are we in like multiple galaxies beyond at that point? But regardless, a wormhole pops up and the Phoenix goes into further space. To, to that point, though, I think that that's kind of like an animation trope, right? that everything's much closer and yes. they make fun of that in Love of Thunder as well. It's not really a spoiler, but maybe a spoiler if you haven't seen Love of no, Thunder No, it's yet. not. There's like this planet and like they're flying towards it and in any other movie or animation thing, you're like, oh yeah, so in like in an hour we'll be there and they just literally run into it because it's like right there and it's flat. <laughs> and it's kind of a small rock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's why I imagine this universe is like, oh yeah, the Phoenix can literally just like, without stretching, just reach one arm to Saturn, one arm to the black hole, just bring them together, you know? But yeah, so then we cut to something we haven't seen at all in this four-part series yet is a Shi'ar ship. And it's not any of the Shi'ar that we know. That, that I- is a lie and you know it, sir. We saw Shi'ar ships in the flashbacks of the origin. Oh, that's true. Sorry, that's I just true. had to do that to be a joke. Yeah, I didn't yeah, no, I didn't actually, think about that. Yeah. You know, I, even though I didn't skip it in person, I mentally checked out when Emma Frost was recapping that. It's like, I know this. But we see the inside of a Shi'ar ship and they make a point of saying that they're mapping out a dead star system. Yeah. Do you know the significance of that in particular? Other than it's just uninhabited? So, well, why is it significant that they they chose to do that. I don't know. So in the original comic for the Dark Phoenix, this star system that Phoenix plunges into the sun as a recharge, essentially, because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's being born again. How do you, you know, as a cosmic entity, get more power? You suck the life out of the suns. Suck the life out of the sun causes it to go supernova, right? Mm-hmm. Conceptually. Yeah. In the comic, the star system that is destroyed has 5 billion living beings within its system. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't do that it being, you know, a kid's cartoon. But they needed to add extra emphasis to it because if people knew the source material and they didn't clarify that, then they might have been blamed for like, oh, you just killed, in theory, five billion people. So that's why they kept emphasizing. I guess that's why I meant it was that they were trying to say that like, oh, nobody died. Yes. Like in this, although it's questionable how Shi'ar ship survived. (laughs) Well, it was out of range. It it, it looked like they were retreating to get out of whatever that blast radius was. And then as it destroys the star system, the Phoenix takes off, essentially takes out the wing of the ship. Mm -hmm. 
And also in the comic version of the story, the Phoenix also ends up destroying the ship uh, as okay. well, killing all the, the crew yeah. and such. So it adds a little bit further credence as to why the Shi'ar are so involved because it's almost also an unintentional act of war because it also killed the ship and its soldiers, etc. Yeah. And an innocent ship that wasn't in war. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it was still a, a ship that was plotting a star system and yeah. such. But so this ship contacts Lalandra, and Lalandra tells Gladiator to ready the Imperial Star Cruiser. So one last comment about the ship. I just want to point out, as the ship is taking damage and it's sending out its distress beacon and such, the fire extinguishers <laughs> were literally like Earth fire extinguishers, and that made me laugh. I would like to think in my head canon that the Shi'ar came in contact with Earth, and and they humans. never had those. Yeah, and the one piece of technology that they absorbed from Earth culture was fire extinguishers. So Beast <laughs> Beast got the backpack that lets him translate Shi'ar like Google Glass, and they took fire extinguishers. Yeah. <laughs> and the old kind that still poisons you when you use it. It's yep. great, especially in outer space. Anyway, so we move over to the X-Mansion. It was a good transition. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I know I killed I the transition when I point out that, that it was a good fine. transition, but good transition. Thank you. And Xavier is emphasizing that Gene no longer exists. Not it's it's specific. He's afraid that Gene no longer. Yeah. So it's not a hundred percent confirmed, but it's like yeah, it's probably the case. Yeah. yeah, and he's been inside her head, so it's like yeah, she's not there anymore. And Scott says they can't stop trying to save her as long as it. Gene's body's still alive. And Xavier is just like, we got to be honest with ourselves about the depth of the problem. And I was like, wow, that is a really diplomatic, harsh statement. <laughs> and and they also point out, like, they can't force the Phoenix out of Gene. Like, mm-hmm. they essentially need to make the Phoenix agree they have that it has to leave Gene's body. And it's like, after the whole, like, you know, coldness and emptiness of space, I don't think that thing is going to agree to leave, at least without popping into another body. At that point, they get interrupted because Scott says he senses Gene is coming back. Um, Good old psychic rapport. Right. Yeah. And she is flying back. She is. Just destroying an obviously uninhabited solar system. And Wolverine points out that, you know, Phoenix can just melt anything with with her mind. Is it mind? Consciousness? Power. Power, yeah. yeah. And And it's, it's if if it has the ability to do it, why hasn't it? Yeah. And the conclusion is like, well, Gene must have some small measure of control that prevents it from killing them all. Yeah. And so Scott and Beast figure out, oh, yeah, so she's still in there a little bit. So I guess that kind of squashes Xavier's like, she's not there anymore. And so Beast suggests that they come up with a mnemonic scrambler. Yeah, to to kind of not mess her up, but oh no, it's to mess her up. <laughs> the the whole concept behind it is. Essentially, they need to scramble her thoughts so dramatically that she can't have a coherent thought Mm -hmm. with the concept of that being like, oh, if there's no coherent thought, then the Phoenix is going to jump out because without coherent thought, you can't experience emotion, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if that's true, but sure. Yeah. And so Gambit shows up with shots. The end. (laughs) No shots taken. When they're they're going through this, this thought process and planning process, Xavier starts to to feel the tinge of guilt, realizing that when Gene came back, him and Moira were just essentially rebuilding Gene's mind. And while that seems like something that is a good thing to do, I, I mean, if I went through this shit, I would want my mind rebuilt. But it's like, oh, no. Instead, it made her the perfect host for the Phoenix because the mind of Gene was being made stronger. I took it, too, that since they were making Gene relive so much of the, the various emotions and stuff, and that's probably part of it. 
is that was is making the phoenix like hungry for all that stuff and especially the trauma was probably where the the dark and hateful part came in yeah this is like a little marvel tangent but like i was i love the scene in shang chi where katie aquafina's character she makes a comment and then the, the third act of the movie it's like i always knew there was something but i never pride it's like that's a real g it's mm-hmm. a real friend you know yeah and i think that's a lesson that xavier moira learned here like maybe we shouldn't pry you know and, <laughs> i was waiting you know. to see how you were going to turn that back but no yeah. you nailed it it was like <laughs> we went too far we had all the best intentions but it ended up blowing up in their face and it's kind of it's kind of to the uh, i'm not a mental health expert but i've no been through, <laughs> i've been through some of the process better health if you want to sponsor us we are open <laughs> but i've been i've been through some of the processes and you know one of the things is like for most cases people will talk about it when they're ready and i think that is something they at least wanted to touch on even at a surface level here is like yeah we forced this woman to do too much too fast and it's kind of made all of this worse maybe <laughs> just maybe Scott shouldn't have gone to the club to meet up with Cassie. Right. That's, that's part of it. It's been a hell of a 24-hour period. Yeah, that's another thing we or, point out. This has all been like in a day. Actually, this is this still might be the same night. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like, because we haven't had a time where like, may, I don't know, maybe when, when Gene went into space and destroyed the star system, but all the stuff between Dazzler seeing the makeout at the club, the fight <laughs> at the Hellfire, or sorry, the inner circle, the circle club, and this this might all just be this might be 4 a.m right now yeah and then we we kind of cut to the montage of creating the mnemonic scrambler which which had two moments in it one that i loved and one that i hated (laughs) so i did know a little easter egg beast has a photo of carly on his computer which was the one i loved okay because good for beast and i'm glad that that's still a thing for him and it's in his heart was the third was the 3d printer the part you hated no, I was, oh. <laughs> I was I was neutral to the 3D printer. Okay. His mouse was on the left. I didn't even register that. So He's literally, left-handed. He, dude, the mouse on the left. I'm like, no, that's not these. <laughs> that broke character. Yep. <laughs> I refuse. He's that he's in canon left-handed. Yep. I didn't actually That's hate amazing. it. It just stood out to me. It was like yeah. it was a very obvious design choice that it went there. So let's yeah. let's 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 do the good old Google. Or is Beast left-handed? Well, you know, I was gonna say, or someone messed up and flipped the the. I love cell. is Mister Beast left-handed as the autocomplete. There is nothing canonical that tells me that he's left-handed, so I call bullshit. Okay, I was gonna say maybe they flipped the cell, but no, Carly's name was written not reverse. So in that image whatever yep anyway so this magic 3d printer in the 90s fully printed a, a headband that's a mnemonic scrambler with all the technology and everything and it. it's amazing x-men predicted 3d printers there you go meanwhile in 2022 people can't get the filaments unstuck so <laughs> but i did see advertised recently a metal 3d printer Ooh, have you seen the food ones I think they're far from being like approved yet. It's going to be like all soy and the things I don't eat. So no, it's the, fine. No, they were fungus. That's somehow worse. <laughs> anyway. So he gets the, he gets the, 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 you know, the fry your brain hat. Yeah. And then he immediately asks if anybody wants to be a volunteer. Yeah. And it's kind of like a, no, I'm good, dude. I get that you wouldn't want to be a volunteer, but I also think it's very important to test that before you go against like a cosmic being. Wake up Jubilee See? and put her to use. There you go. Fry the teenager's brain. <laughs> but TV and video games are already doing that anyway. <laughs> they don't think Jubilee has a coherent thought in her head already. 
because it's chili fries, right? Oh. Uh, so in the tower of the X Mansion, Cyclops is up there. I don't know whatever he's, he's kind of clear his head or whatever, and he senses that Jean is near, but not where necessarily and so we catch up with gene she's coming back yeah well i guess to him it is near because she's back on earth now or at, at least our solar system yeah. and we catch up with gene and she's going to what we assume <laughs> is childhood space home. gps there you go space <laughs> gps telekinetic space gps so gene goes back to her childhood bedroom we assume because we see a bunch of like you know like a kid's room set up and stuff yeah she goes in into the house and you you get the impression it is her family's home because she says mom dad i'm home she sees her cat the cat's name is prometheus which means nothing yeah just for clarity we looked it up prometheus has one episode according to fandom is still alive so good yeah. for prometheus it's a 30 year old cat yeah because he yeah <laughs> and he's a black cat i think black cats are awesome and he, he you're biased yeah. and he hisses probably because he's like there's some dark thing inside there that i won't be part of and that's why he's still alive because he left that house yeah <laughs> if this was like the movies that cat would not have survived <laughs> she goes up into her room there's a band poster which i i looked at and i couldn't get the reference it was called the flat bills which i, I don't know I, yeah. that was if that's a a joke or a pun i missed it maybe it's another duck reference who knows oh there you yeah. go Some, someone on the staff hates ducks but did you notice the the stuffed doll that she was hugging it was like a cyclops oh yeah. god, <laughs> my god i okay this is not even staged that, that. as i was saying it, <laughs> it, it <laughs> geez okay I watched this episode twice in preparation for this, and I didn't put that together until I said it out loud. She grabs a Cyclops doll. Okay. (laughs) I don't want to do a video podcast because I don't want to edit it, but there are some moments that I really wish I had a hidden camera set up because the genuine change in Rod's face as it clicked was so pure. It was good. It was good, Rod. It's okay. Okay, so she's always kind of had a thing for... Cyclops is uh, <laughs> not even that. <laughs> just, I just, I just needed you to yeah. say it out loud. All right. Well, she dances around the room like a little girl. Yeah. And she, she's basically the whole time she's in a childlike state. Yeah. There's, there's like a higher pitch to her voice. It's like you know we've had multiple versions of Gene. You had regular Gene. You have Phoenix <laughs> slash Dark Phoenix Gene. You have under Mastermind's control. And here she's in like this creepily innocent childlike state mm-hmm. and like, you know, a car pulls up and she she says daddy. So it doesn't sound like, you know, a woman in her 20s is, is what we're assuming yeah, the age of the majority of these characters, mid 20s, late 20s would address their father. Even just the tone of her voice is different. Mm-hmm. So mentally, she has fucking cracked at this point. Yeah, she's yeah. reverted to like her childhood self. Yeah. Yeah, so and like she, you said, she yeah. said daddy's home and yep. she runs downstairs. At that moment, I was like, oh my God, they're all going to die. But she runs past what we see is the X-Men with her family. Yeah, so you see that Xavier has like a mental shield up that was mm-hmm. basically protecting the family. As far as we were able to find in doing our research, that is actually Jean's family. So their names are John, Elaine, and Sarah Gray. Can you imagine getting woken up in like whatever hour of night that was and being told like, okay, so just trust us. <laughs> you're gonna see your daughter acting weird as fuck yeah and we need you to not say a word yeah she's gonna be in spandex in different color than you saw her last and she might be on fire so just try not to flinch she's probably gonna be (laughs) but they didn't protect the cat yeah right well the cat can take care of himself as that happens you see gambit kind of like 
tailing her running outside mm-hmm. and puts the demonic scrambler so she's running up to the car and the car starts to back out and as she's distracted by the car leaving that's when gambit drops the scrambler on her and we see this like mist over everything so i'm kind of assuming that's maybe part of storm's doing is like kind of creating like a little bit of a yes because (laughs) i think it's to like help disguise like not being able to see who's in the car and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and then later as as stuff hits the fan like storm actually kind of lets up on it i think there was like a in a indication that she was the one who was making the fog yeah it wasn't just morning dew (laughs) you know in westchester but yeah unfortunately she immediately throws gambit which seems to be a trend of the episode and then just starts overloading the circuits of the scrambler it starts like sparking in beast's hand like even the control is overloading at this point because they didn't get to test it on jubilee maybe they did yeah that's what broke it no no go with go with me on this maybe they did and there were no coherent thoughts coming out of jubilee (laughs) so they said yes it worked there were no coherent thoughts for it to start by start picking up on yeah it's just like why is it just a bunch of like montages a long shot man like this is weird anyway as phoenix is overloading the scrambler wolverine tackles her and gene comes to for a second says this is really harsh says if he truly loves her that he's gonna do it and you know we all know that means you know kill her and he's just he can't so the interesting part for me here is in other media wolverine has killed gene oh jeez. so spoiler for a 20 year old movie x-men the last stand mm-hmm. you don't need to see it anyway no god <laughs> god no he is the one who puts gene out of out of her misery and actually kills her as the phoenix in the comics there is also the well-known grant morrison run grant morrison is the run where they literally switch to like black and yellow leather as like the main visual for it and stuff like that it's an amazing run in that series wolverine also has to take out gene and this is all in canon this isn't like alternate realities or anything like that he literally has to take out gene and put her down because the phoenix is taking over again and that all kind of tracks, too, because he's probably emotionally, you know, in a place to get close to her. It also has, like, the kind of the power and the resilience well, to, like, be able to do something. Right. And if you also look at him from, like, a character arc perspective, it's acknowledged that he has done some messed up stuff in the yeah. past. Like, you know, he was fighting in the not Vietnam War or whatever it was in, in this timeline. Like, and he was a soldier. He was on the task force with Maverick and Sabretooth. They don't point blank say it. But he's killed people. Yeah. There's no doubt in in our mind that in the canon of this world, even if it's not said because it's a kid's show, Wolverine has killed people because he had to do it. Yeah. Also, if you have like knives on your hands, it's probably happened. Yeah. (laughs) Even just by accident. He almost almost killed Heather from Alpha Flight just because. Yeah. Just just for funsies. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, Phoenix comes to because he, you know, waited too long and blasts him away. And then pulls the scrambler off and melts it in her hand which again is like terrifying you know like all right your best effort is not even it sucks right now it's a minor annoyance at best and essentially it's like well now you get to play on my terms and instantly like binds all of the Mm x-men and we get the sense that well she's getting ready to melt them remember that (laughs) and then we find out that scott was actually the one in the car so he gets out why he waited to this very moment to be dramatic maybe he gets out and starts talking to gene we get we get love i feel like this episode love is interchangeable with family in fast and furious (laughs) you don't need logic when you got family and gene comes through because it's scott 
and Xavier attacks her mind in that moment. Yeah, in the in the moment of vulnerability, I don't want to call it weakness, but vulnerability, yeah. Xavier takes a mind blast and it stops her for like a half second. And he says, you know, we have to destroy what's inside of her. And then immediately she regains power as the Phoenix and just decimates Charles's floating wheelchair. Yeah, I, I love it because in my notes I said like, I- Xavier says they must destroy her before she, oh, she woke up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even get to like type the sentence. Your stream of consciousness <laughs> notes are amazing to me. Phoenix is is like kind of standing over Charles and it's like, well, you know, didn't you once say that the greatest joy for a teacher is to be surpassed by the student? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And to that, Xavier responds by going into the, <laughs> to the mind of Gene slash Phoenix at that point. Like, all right, you want to call this? Let's have our Morpheus fight. Yeah. You know, he he kind of is, is kind of pulling a little bit of a Hal Jordan where it's all about like willpower. And it's like my will is going to prevail. And then he grows to like, you know, not, not quite kaiju size, but he gets pretty damn gigantic and he has like a kind of like spartan-esque inspired armor that he made for himself right so that is actually in the astral plane it's called the entity and it first appeared in the comics as something that a possessed version of charles was wearing as opposed to in this this version it's shown in a heroic style but yeah it was like spartan Roman gladiatorial style yeah. armor. I think that was one of the things that in the Heroclix unboxing that Matt was actually referring to when we were looking at what some of the giant figures could be. We were trying to figure out if that was the one, which by the way, that should be live right now on our YouTube channel. We had Matt Rob join us and we did an unboxing of the Dark Phoenix Saga Hero Clicks. Yeah, those were cool. Yeah. Okay. I forgot to put the promos at the beginnings of the other episodes. Okay. <laughs> well, now well, surprise. Now you know it's there. Yeah. Also, I think we have a couple of shorts and reels and TikToks to me and John opening up some cards. And it's been a while back. No, those were Dice Masters. Dice Masters. It's been so long, I don't even remember how that went, but I still have them. So. I was going to say, you have it on your phone, yeah. so you better know how it yeah. went. So I just don't remember, but we'll all be surprised together when we rewatch this, because I won't remember to post them until I listen to this again. So Xavier in this battle is trying to, to bind the Phoenix. Yes. But it's, it's, it's a bit of a struggle, as we've seen before. I mean, it's a cosmic entity. I would yeah. hope it wouldn't be easy. But he does manage to get Phoenix slash Gene into like a place where Gene's part of that can escape because you see like... Yeah, you see, you start to see the strength of the Phoenix where it's talking about, you know, how conceited humans are, how arrogant they are. Xavier keeps pleading to Gene to help him find the Phoenix. And when that happens, he's actually able to literally put the Phoenix in like a cocoon of, mm. of dirt. I, Something, yeah. yeah. Minder. Minder. And Gene's spirit pops out in the this astral form. And then they they jump back into the real world. And Gene is no longer in the red, dark Phoenix yeah. death colors. She's in the, the green and gold. So. Yeah. So you know she's good now. So Xavier says that the Phoenix is bound for now. He really highlights that for now. <laughs> right. But the, you do also get the moment between Cyclops and Gene where it's high four eyes. Mm-hmm which still bothers me because right. it's literally named Cyclops and you just hugged the doll. And then he says, hi yourself, Tiger. And that only bothers me because in Marvel Comics, Tiger is Mary Jane talking to Peter Parker. Nobody else gets oh. to say Tiger. So it was just like a Hey Pal thing from like the 90s. I mean, it's definitely them flirting yeah. as best Scott can do it. <laughs> and then, you know, after that weird exchange, they make out and the Shi'ar immediately show up. <laughs> Lalandra gets out and Xavier's like, why didn't you telepathically let me know you were coming? And she just ignores him. He seems super thirsty when he asks that. Right? Yeah. And she says that Phoenix is a force that must be destroyed. And then we get giggling children 
for the Saban end card. The Saban end card is so <laughs> awkward at times like this. Yeah. It's like, she must be destroyed. <laughs> you doing that is somehow creepier than the children's voices. Never, never do that again. It's on the internet. I'll live forever now. Oh, God. It is on the internet. <laughs> we think that the X-Men have finally gotten a little bit of like reprieve from the night of hell that is the Dark Phoenix night. And then it's like, nope now this intergalactic society wants the phoenix dead i this moment i i really liked because like i said we we knew it was a four-part series but for like a second i was like oh is this where it ends no yeah and no threw enough in i was like oh okay yeah it's not just started but it's not over yet <laughs> yeah so just some additional notes about the episode the writer larry parr also wrote 1988's pride of the x-men oh really yes Oh, so, man. so you have this guy who wrote the failed pilot yeah. who ends up writing one of the best episodes of the animated series. You know, I will say it's been a long time since I've watched Pride of the X-Men. I don't necessarily want to say that the story is what did it in. The story probably actually kind of checks out because it's very similar to other X-Men stories where there's always some young mutant that is our eyes going into this wild world. Right. And some of the action was good. And, and the animation didn't look that bad. I think it was like the characters. It was just the fact that you hate Kitty Pride <laughs> and you are offended by all Australians. <laughs> right, there you go. Okay. That like, will now live on the internet for forever. <laughs> but I think it was just like the characters, they weren't like, it's interesting to let's, see. Let's save that for yeah. when I can actually watch it and comment on yeah. it with you. So, but, but I think this specifically with the animated series that we did get shows how as much times we take jabs at the characters here and their weird mannerisms and stuff, they are like much more sophisticated than in that other thing right. and stuff. So I think that's why that failed. And then this one is like lived on in all eternity. And I, I do think you kind of, if you're doing an adaptation and you're keeping it, you're tied to the tone of the source material. You have a better shot of getting it right. Whereas if you look at, you know, the, the two movies that have had it, the tone is all wrong, mm -hmm. which is why the movies have flopped. Yeah, they yeah. In case if you've been living under a rock, they've tried to do Dark Phoenix twice. The same guy. Yeah. Dark Phoenix twice, and oh my god, it got worse somehow. Like I always joke about, but I kind of think it's true. You can see the relief on Jennifer's face when Mystique dies because she got to leave the shot. Yeah. She yeah. Was, she's like, I don't need to be here anymore. She was like, I am freed from this property. She's like, I got my check, I get my royalties, and I'm out. Yeah. And then only other note I have in this is a, a comic specific one. At the time in the Dark Phoenix saga in in X Men, Beast was actually not an active member of the X Men team. He's he's involved in the story moments because it's very focused on you know the original core group as much as possible and those who have the strongest relationships with Gene. He was actually an Avenger at that point. He appears in the book, you know, coming back to help, but all the stuff with Hellfire Club and, and that leading up to this, he doesn't show up until this, you know, planning how to deal with Gene when she's returning from destroying the planet. I, I was surprised. I never knew the Beast was in the Avengers. That's amazing. I yeah. love just the the total like I take certain things for granted because I've been reading comics for you know 35 of my 39 years on this planet <laughs> and then it's like oh I say things and Rod's like wait that's a thing yeah that's amazing though it's kind of cool I love that and also love that we're getting closer and closer to a world where those crossovers can happen in the in the cinematic version for us <laughs> well the one thing that can happen 
is Beast was very close with Wonder Man, who we have not gotten Wonder Man formally in the MCU yet. So that was like his best buddy from the Avengers. So that can still happen. It's not like he's he was tight with one of the guys who retired. Yeah. I will co-sign if Kelsey Grammer ever wants to come back as Beast. I thought he did a great job and that was a great casting. I'm not saying that he wants to come back, but... <laughs> I feel like he was old in Cheers. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if he physically could. You know what's funny about Cheers? We are older than the people in Cheers were in that show. Shut up, Rod. (laughs) End the show, Rod. Anyway, on that note, thanks for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them into the comics comics comments for either the youtube upload or official instagram post about this episode if you like what you heard we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app if you're choosing you can find us on apple Podcasts, anchor spotify google Podcasts, and Castbox. actually speaking of being old i think by the time this episode gets posted i'll be 40 that's weird <laughs> <laughs>